in the eight presentations, but you don't have to decide quite yet because you'll be turning in those papers at the very end of the service. And you do want to hear what we have to say from the Word of God as well before you turn those things in. Today, we are going to look at the life of Moses in the Bible and how he developed in his from the time God called him to be, a, you know, to in, be ministry involved when he was a recruit until all the time that passed until Moses became assured and confident as somebody who was ministry involved and a leader among God's people. So we will take it by looking at three different guys and these guys will represent the stages in Moses' ministry involvement. The first guy, we will call him the reluctant recruit. And some of you who are here today who are not ministry involved, you might actually relate with this guy. You might say, that's me. I think I'm like the reluctant recruit. The reluctant recruit is a little bit timid, maybe even a bit frightened. He's the kind of person who wants to hide in plain sight. He actually is not even sure if he wants to be ministry involved at all. He can't imagine himself doing those kinds of things. Well, let's take a selfie of this guy because we might just want to get to see him again in a little while. Wow. The second guy who actually represents the second stage in Moses' development in his leadership is what we will call the rallying reasoner. This is about the time that Moses decided, okay, okay, I'll serve God, all right, but I'm not really sure. I'm sorting out what is my motivation to serve God. And that might be also some of you who are sitting here today. All right, all right, I'll serve God. Okay, I'm supposed to. What, why am I serving God? What ministry do I even want to get involved in? How do I figure this thing out? You know, I have three friends who are already in the Kool-Aids. Maybe I should join the Kool-Aids. But my mom is making me join the choir. Maybe I should join the choir. I really don't know why I even want to be ministry involved. Let's take a selfie of this guy too because we might want to see him a little bit later. Perfect. And finally, in the life of Moses, we come to our third guy. He is what we call the realizing radical. He's the guy, actually, we all want to become when we are confident in our ministries. This guy is happy. He's joyful. He is the recruit who totally gets it. He knows exactly why he wants to be ministry involved. In fact, the realizing radical, he understands what is that gift that God has placed in his hands. And he's so eager to use that gift to serve the people of God. So let's definitely get a selfie of this guy because we definitely want to see him again in the future. Wow, okay, perfect. 
So, as we remember those three guys and those three stages, the reluctant recruit, the rallying reasoner, and the realizing radical, let's look at Pastor's Corinthian chart for just a moment. Oh, it looks a bit different. And yes, I did tell Pastor we're going to mess with his chart just a little bit today. Because a lot of people start off as the reluctant recruit. But after you've become the reluctant recruit, all right, okay, okay, I'll serve God, I'll get ministry involved. Now you become the rallying reasoner. But do you want to stay the rallying reasoner all the rest of your life? No, that will be most unsatisfying. You want eventually to become the realizing radical. You want to be that person who understands why you are ministry involved. But we can improve on this chart just a little bit. There we go. I knew we wanted selfies of those guys. Now we know why, so that we can help to remember them. All right, with this in mind, with those three people, and we understand that we're tracing the ministry involvement of Moses from the time God first got a hold of him till the time he said, okay, till the time he became a confident leader of the people. We're tracing that development. So we go to our text, which is Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Wow, that is really what we say, the end of the journey. That is already, that text, that is when someone gets it. That is where we all want to be. Because how many Go Group leaders are here? How many Go Group leaders? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every time you stood in front of your Go Group to teach them, you had this conviction, this feeling, this assurance, the God of all of heaven and earth has sent me to you with this message today. Wouldn't it be nice if you were that confident and that assured every time you stood up in front of the people? Or choir, every time you sing a song, you're so sure that God himself has sent you to this congregation to lead them in worship. You know when you have, oh yes, you know when you have that kind of confidence, for sure, for sure, for sure, God is going to just flow through you and use you, and your ministry experience is going to be awesome. But recruits don't usually start that way. Isn't that right? Have you tried recruiting somebody for your ministry? Have you tried recruiting somebody to be like a kids worker or a go group leader? Do they start off with that kind of confidence? Very often they start off as the reluctant recruit. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
Well, and some of you who are sitting here today who are not ministry involved, you might be. So, let's go back to our chart and let's see. Moses started off as the reluctant recruit. Because back at the beginning, when God first called Moses, God spoke to Moses out of a... What did he speak to Moses out of? A burning bush. Absolutely. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the burning bush, Moses, Moses. What did Moses reply? Here I am, said Moses. Oh, wouldn't that be a dream come true? <laughs> choir, what if you went through the congregation recruiting people for your choir and everybody you asked said, here I am? You might faint with happiness. Wow, everybody wants to be ministry involved. Wow. But that's, of course, not exactly how, uh, how things continued. Because after Moses said, here I am, things took a downward turn. When he heard from God, exactly what was going to be involved, the mission. <laughs> and you know, it's like that sometimes. You talk to somebody, a recruit, okay, and then they find out, wait, there are rehearsals? Uh, we evangelize? Goals? You mean there are goals in this ministry? And suddenly, the here I am turns into, oh, but who am I? So in verse 11, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel out of Egypt? And God was so gracious to Moses. And God will answer your questions. And God answered Moses' questions and he talked with him and he gave him assurance that he himself would be with him. But things got progressively worse. Because by chapter 4, verse 1, Moses protested again. But what if, what if, what if Pharaoh, what if the people, what if I, all these what ifs. Sometimes recruits are like that too, right? But, but what if it's too sunny? But what if it's too rainy? But what if I have a car? But what if I don't have a car? What if I'm married? What if I'm not married? What if I have kids? Everybody's full of what ifs. You know what? Sometimes you just have to leave the what-ifs to God. And you just need to stop talking and get the job done. So what followed was God talking to Moses again. Oh, and there were sticks turning into snakes, turning into sticks again. There was a hand turning leprous, turning clean again. God giving him assurance. And yet, somehow it got even worse. By the time we get to chapter 4, verse 10, Moses is saying, Lord, I can't. I, I just can't. I'm not good at this. You know, my tongue. I'm not good at talking. And God answers each and every issue. That always amazes me. Every time I read this passage, like, hello, we people are arguing with God who made us, and yet God does 
answer us and does give us assurance. God said, who made man's tongue? Who gave you the ability to serve? I will help you. And yet, still, it got even worse. Because by chapter 4, verse 13, Moses said to God, Here I am. Send somebody else. Lord, here I am. Send Pastora Rose. God, here I am. Oh, send Pastora Tintin, please. Here I am, Lord. Send her. Send him. Have you ever asked your kids to do something and they said, she'll do it. <laughs> He'll do it. Does it get done? No, it does not get done, of course. And there really, as we said, there's a job to be won. There's a world to be, there's a job to be done. There's a world to be won. And we need to sometimes stop talking, stop with the excuses, and just get involved and just do it. Amen? So... Aaron was recruited to help Moses as his assistant, and God gave Moses a very important piece of instruction. In chapter 4, verse 17, it says, God said to Moses, Moses, and take your shepherd's staff with you. Whose shepherd's staff? Whose shepherd's staff? What did God say to Moses? Moses, take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I have, showing you, I have shown you. Okay, let's go back to the chart. Let's put the chart up. So Moses went from being a reluctant recruit and now he's a rallying reasoner. Okay, okay, God, okay, I'll go to Egypt. Let's give this thing a try, whatever you say, God. And Moses decided to obey God just simply because he was obeying God. Have you ever done something, young people, have you ever obeyed your parents just because they said so, but not because you wanted to? <laughs> oh, that was a very big yes. <laughs> you know, it happens. Sometimes we do things because God says, do it, so we do it. And you know what? There's nothing really wrong with that because God wants to be obeyed. Amen? Amen? In Jeremiah 1.7, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall go. Speak, just do it, because I said to do that. It reminds me of Uncle Lester, Lester Summerall, the one who founded this church way back. When he was a teenager, he had tuberculosis, and a lot of you know this story. He got saved when he was 17 years old, at the same time that God healed him of tuberculosis. And God said to him, now go and preach the gospel. So he obeyed. He went and he preached the gospel. But he was not happy about it. He was only preaching because he was so afraid that if he did not preach the gospel, he will again get tuberculosis and he will die. So in order not to do that, he just said, okay, okay, I'll preach the gospel. But he preached angry. 
He was angry with the people all the time. Wow, go, God wants you to, oh, you bunch of sinners. He was, he was angry until one night God gave him a vision of souls going to hell. And he saw this vision of a cliff and thousands of people falling off of the cliff into the fires of hell. Whoa, that changed him. Would that change you if you had a vision like that? You might be shaking in your boots for days if you saw something like that. It changed him forever. Suddenly he became the win a million slogan guy. He was like, win a million. Let's win a million souls. Because he was so determined, he was going to win people. He cared all of a sudden. He was passionate. He was no longer serving just to obey God, but he felt it on his insides. So let me th show you three motivations which are actually better than just obeying. What are those three? The first one is love. Because in Corinthians, Paul even says, yet I show you a better way. Because if you can do all these things, you can speak in tongues and you can do all these powerful things, but you have not love, you are nothing. Exactly. We are told that we should go because the love of Christ compels us. In John chapter 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He served them. Why? Because he loved them. So what is our first better motivation to be ministry involved? Love. The second one is care. All the ministry involved people, let me see your hand again. All the ministry involved people, do you have care in your heart and that's why you do it? Yeah, you do. You know, Pastor told us a couple of Fridays ago um, this illustration because we had dinner with a surgeon friend of ours and the surgeon said that he was performing surgery and all of a sudden the intern who was assisting him, in the middle of the surgery, the intern left. He went to scrub out, as they say. He just started washing his hands, and the surgeon is going, where are you going? Oh, it's my lunch hour. But, but, we're in the middle of a surgery. This is my protected time, the intern said. And off he went, and the surgeon was left, like, calling for a resident or somebody to come and help him with the... Is it, would you want to go to a doctor who didn't care? Oh, heart, lungs, kidney, eh. You go in to get your tonsils out, you end up minus a kidney, something like that. No, when you go to the doctor, you want the doctor to care, right? Well, when you come to God's house, you want the people who are serving you to Care also. And there are, of course, so many illustrations we could give for that one. But did you know that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 1, verse 50, it says that even the Levites who had charge of certain items in the temple of God, they had to care for those items. Well, that's still the same today, right? Our musicians better care for those instruments. 
Our ushers care for the house of God. They're zealous for the house of God, as a matter of fact. Zealous that it be clean and safe environment for everybody. We are meant to care, but of course, we are also meant to care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So what is the first best motivation? The second. The first one. Second. Second. First. Okay. Those of you who are not ministry involved, feel it, get to know it. Why do I want to be ministry involved? The third one is help. Amazingly, when we look at the scripture, Almost every example that we have in Scripture of help, it's God helping us. How many of you God has helped you in your life? Recently? Actually, like every day, right? God is involved with us, and there are so many scriptures that show that. Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Who is glad that God helps us? Oh, I don't want to go through life doing everything all by myself. I'm so thankful that God helps me. But when we are going to be ministry involved, we need this third motivation. We need to be involved in order to be helpful. Because if we are not helpful, we will be unhelpful. Isn't that right? And if we have grumpy kids workers and masungit uh, ushers and we have, oh my goodness, we could have a mass exodus of families from COP. I'm not coming back to that church. The people there are not helpful. So what is the first good motivation? Second? Third? Number one? Number three? Number two? Number one? Number three? Okay, you've got it. These are the things that we should be keeping in mind as a motivation to serve God. Now, so Moses, he's on his way. He's a rallying reasoner. But now Moses is about to take that final step on the chart. Let's look at the chart. And let's see that the last one is a realizing radical. He gets it. He realizes already what God has asked him to do, why God has asked him to do it. He gets all the questions are answered, and he becomes a confident and assured leader. And this is where we want every one of you to get to this place. It starts off in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, when God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, Moses said, a staff. What's that in your hand? 
Do you know this is the most important question that you have to figure out this afternoon? Especially those of you who are not yet ministry involved. You have to figure out, what has God placed in my hands? And when you figure out the answer to that question, you're on your way to being a realizing radical. You're on your way to this fulfillment, confident in your ministry. You know, this staff, it started off, God said to Moses in chapter 4, verse 17, take your shepherd's staff. Whose staff was it? Whose was it? It was yours. It was Moses's shepherd's staff. But did you know that it very quickly became God's shepherd's staff? Because by chapter 4, verse 20, we read, So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Wow. You know, when God asks you, what's in your hand? And you have to tell him honestly, God, what's in my hand? I'm really good at cooking. I could make great cupcakes. <laughs> you know, when you offer those cupcakes to God, they're not your cupcakes anymore. They're God's cupcakes. <laughs> when you say, God, you gave me a voice. I can sing. And so you offer that to God. When you give your voice to God, guess what? It's not your voice anymore. It's God's voice. And now you use it to glorify Him and Him alone. And all the choir said, yeah. Amen. But they know that and they live by that, absolutely. When God asks you for something, what's in your hand? Oh, here, God, it's a staff. You can have it. It becomes God's. But I'm telling you, when you put something into God's hands, oh, what God can do with it. So much more than what we could ever do with our own skills or our own abilities. What God can do with it. Oh, what happened to Moses' staff that became God's staff? He pointed it to heaven and hail came down. He pointed it over Egypt and locusts came out all over Egypt. He pounded it on the staff and gnats came up, pounded it on the ground and gnats came up. He pointed it over the rivers and frogs came out and filled all of the homes all over Egypt. He pointed it at the water and all the water turned to blood. What happened when this staff became God's staff was absolutely astounding. It was amazing. Moses cannot do these things by himself. He pointed it over the sea and the waters parted and the people crossed over on dry land. So from Exodus 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, we see incident after incident of God using that staff. And you know what? Finally, Moses got it. He understood. 
he realized, God, you use this staff that I gave you. Wow, that's where we need to get to. We need to get to that point where we realize when we stand up and sing, God is moving in the hearts of the people. When we stand before our Go group, we are speaking the word of God to their hearts and they're going to get it and they're going to understand it. Not because of our skill, but because we put our skill in God's hands and God decided to use it miraculously. And Moses got that. He understood it. So one day in Exodus chapter 17, the people of Israel, they have to go to battle. So in Exodus 17, verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Aha, here's what we're going to do. You choose men for us and go out and fight with the, with the Amalek. Tomorrow, I will go to the top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. He got it. He understood that God was using him. He understood that he had taken what was in his hand and given it into God's hand, and it became powerful in the powerful hand of our mighty God. And when you put what you have into God's hands, it's going to become powerful too. I love that. He understood it. He realized. He was now a realizing radical. Oh, there's a battle to be fought. Joshua, you go fight. You go get the man. You fight. I am going up to the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Because he knew we are always stronger with the power of God on our side. Amen? We're better not to do things in our own strength and in our own ability. I don't care if you're cleaning the floor. Don't do it in your own ability. Give that skill to God and let God make it super powerful skill that can be used of him. There are other instances in the scripture where people used what was in their hand. David, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 40, his sling was in his hand. And what happened? A giant fell. How about the little boy with the lunch? He gave it into God's hand. Was God happy and fed that day? Now, there were thousands of people who were happy and fed that day. Who knows if what you give into God's hand, God will take it and multiply it. And hundreds of people or even thousands of people will be blessed because you put your skill into God's hand. Accounting skill, organizational skill. What if you are the best organizer in your office and you become an usher bay leader? Wow, we'll have the most amazing ushers in the whole world. What if you use your accounting skill, your teaching skill, your cleaning skill, your baking skill, whatever skill you have, your musical skill, your artistic skill to create sets and make things beautiful around here, your painting skill, what, your gardening skill, we don't usually think of that here at main campus. But oh, in South Campus, they need gardening skill. All of the skills, imagine what happens to those skills when you put your skill into God's hands and say, God, use it. Use it. 
God will multiply it and use it, and you will be so blessed. Amen? All the leaders said, Amen. Amen. And now it's time that all the people who are not yet ministry involved, it's time to fill out those forms. It's time to say, God, yes. I'm not going to just be a reluctant recruit. No, not me. I'm not good at anything. No, I can't do this. Are you talking to me? God must be somebody else. Don't be a reluctant recruit this afternoon. Obey God, but obey him because you love him, because you care, because you want to help. And figure out what is it that I have in my hands? What is it that God has given me? I want to give it back to him. So we're going to ask the musicians to come and play something lovely. We'll ask the pastors in every campus to come, please, and stand at the front of the platform, the altar, facing the congregation. The pastors in all campuses to stand and face the congregation. And then we're going to ask Everybody to stand up, please. Everybody to stand up. Now is the time for you to bring your paper that you have willingly written your name and your phone number on. Give it to any one of the pastors. You don't have to give it to the exact ministry pastor of that ministry that you're joining. Just give it to any one of the pastors. And the pastors will gladly receive it from you. We'll sort it out from there. In the balcony, there are also pastors who are there in the balcony who could be receiving your um, ministry form. There are also ushers there who can help you with that. Yes, there's Pastor Alder up there in the balcony. If you still